What's going on, everybody? We are back for another episode of Shoot the Shot Midday. It's been like 20, 21 days, I think, since our last episode. It has been more than a fortnight, yes. <laughs> more than a fortnight. We're not talking about the video game, folks. Midday. We, I mean, we were busy, man. What we had the birthday weekend. Busy, man. Life gets in the way sometimes, yeah. and unfortunately, shout out to Anchor, but they are not paying us enough for this to be a full time gig. So <laughs> that's you're just true. gonna have to wait for the after school shenanigans that we've been doing lately. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we had the the birthday weekend, as I mentioned, and I think we were both just kind of tired after that one. Yeah, um, needed some recovery. There's no yeah. doubt. That was after All-Star Weekend, so not a lot was going on either. I mean, most people know what happened during All-Star Weekend. You know who won the dunk contest, who won the three-point contest. If you follow the NBA, you know that Aaron Gordon got robbed again. True, but I correctly predicted that Buddy Heald would win the three-point contest. You're right. Thank you very much. And I... Yeah, you got one, right? The the, the slam dunk right. champion. So if you you know split our our picks and bet on it, we probably made you pretty rich. Looking for gambling advice, look no further than shoot the shot. <laughs> so, and then and then the week after, oh, forgot a nugget to give the, the folks. Um, we got some incredible birthday gifts. Oh, uh, yes. Courtesy of Mide's lovely girlfriend. <laughs> lovely trademark. <laughs> I'm trademarking the word lovely. Neither one of us knew about this, actually. I definitely didn't, but you did, which I was surprised about. She um, she mentioned that she got us gifts, and we both needed to open them together, but I didn't get any other clues besides that. Okay. So, you know, we opened this, this present together, and it's a t-shirt, and we're both looking at it like, Okay, cool. Yeah, t-shirt. And then we're both like, what does it say? We can't read it because it was like folded. Right. And very well so hit. I like pulled my out and I saw the 100 and I saw the buy. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, it says Browns by 100. <laughs> and it was genius. Awesome. Truly was genius. It really was. I, uh, I was so impressed. Yeah, I don't, I don't usually underestimate Katie and her creativity. But uh, yeah, she pulled one off there. That was great. Great idea. Yeah. That was probably the second most impressive thing Katie did that weekend. The first was how much she drank with us. So True. She was an absolute <laughs> trooper and the side of Interstate Route 71 knows about it. We'll put it that yes. way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mede, it's good to be back. So let's get into it. it. Uh, Kyrie Irving recently had season-ending uh, arthroscopic shoulder surgery. Um, surprise, surprise, Kyrie is hurt again. Mide, do you think we've seen the best of Kyrie Irving? So when I, I hear that question right off the bat, my instinct is to immediately say no, honestly. Uh, because, like you mentioned, he's only 27, which, statistically speaking, the prime of these NBA athletes' careers is starts honestly at 27 26 27 ranges the beginning and then it goes until the early 30s for most people but he is a point guard and history tells us with point guards they kind of age a little bit quicker um because they're smaller in stature so they they get bumps and bruises and when you look at a guy like Kyrie, who's already had this history of injuries when he was young 
it, it does make you think and make you wonder if, if we have seen the peak of Kyrie's powers. But at the same time, I'm going to talk myself out of the same answer three times in this answer. But um, his the 20 games he did play this year, he was putting up great numbers. So, you know, it's it's not like his skills have taken a dip. It's just he, he can't stay on the court, can't stay healthy. Right. And I mean, that dates all the way back to his Duke days where he played 11 games. Right. As a freshman right. at Duke. And just, you know, it was like, all right, I'm going to the draft because there's no other good players going to be in the draft. So I'm going to be the easy first overall pick. Sure. Like when he plays, we all know how good he is and how good he can be. But it's getting him on the court. And he's had three seasons where he's played over 70 games. And that's just not enough. That's it. This is what year nine was this season. So, yeah, a third of your seasons under. I mean, there's 82 games, so that's missing double-digit games every single year. That's that's a bad look, and it's it's hard when you've got – I mean, the Brooklyn Nets just invested $140 million in the guy. Yeah, and it's just – I mean, I don't like – I don't want to say that I think we've seen the best of him, but, you know, part of me thinks it might it might be true. And it's hard because you're comparing, you know, maybe the best of a player – being a game-winning shot in the Game 7 of an NBA Finals. Right, that's true. But, you know, how I'm looking at it is more of, like, you know, his entire, his seasons, his entire seasons. Obviously, the icing on the cake is that 2016 game-winning three that he hit. But, yeah, you know, his, statistically, you know, his numbers are still floating around that that mid 20s mid to low 20s a little bit um you know points per game uh he sh- always shoots the ball well from 3 he's always up around that 40 that 40% mark but you know aside from maybe statistically are chemistry issues that he brings to any organization he's at right and I mean, when did when, when do we think that even started in Cleveland? Because I, I wouldn't even want to say the first year LeBron got there, but I, I want to say the second. I, you know, have thought about this, too, because I don't really remember. And I was a pretty big Cavs fan when, when we drafted him pre-LeBron coming back. So it's like I was reading these articles. I don't remember him stirring up any trouble in the locker room then when he was this 19, 20, 21-year-old. I mean, the most locker room issues we had then was – like Andrew Bynum for those 30 games he was with us. Like he was the main issue with those teams. So I don't know if he just kind of matured and decided he was going to become this emotional, you know, bipolar kind of inconsistent locker room, quote unquote leader that he thinks he is. But I mean, you saw what happened uh, last year with the Celtics, what he did to those, those other guys in the locker room, just his effect. Um, like it's it's like he doesn't even realize how much he means to the other players on the team. Right. And, you know, kind of going back to the, the cir- like circling background, I guess, to the injuries. How yeah. many how many seasons has of his have ended like, you know, because of injuries? Like how many? I mean, this season, that's that's another one. OK. And then he's got one in Cleveland that ended in the playoffs and it was in the second Round was it the sick? I can't even remember. No, because he got to the finals. It was the he was hurt and then he broke his kneecap in the finals. He did right. all this work to get it back. That was like some knee tendonitis, I think, to begin with. 
Yeah. Which is just kind of an over, that's an overuse injury. So that's kind of a, that's a little fluky that one, but Mm -hmm. still it's, it's the general 51 games for a rookie season. It's like he did still win rookie of the year, but (laughs) he's got a lot of missed games. First person to win rookie of the year and be under what, like 55 games probably. (laughs) Right. Unless you count like uh, Ben Simmons who played zero. Oh, yeah. Insert Ben Simmons rookie of the year joke here. Yeah. He's got a good shot this year. He does. This will be a third year in a row. I think he's won it. Yeah. Um, Impressive. So let's talk about, you know, what he did in Boston and kind of just how, because we all thought, I mean, I know that as Cavs fans, we were kind of worried because we were like, great. Like, you know, Boston, obviously with that season with Isaiah Thomas, which was the last year we had Kyrie, they were unreal, right? Yeah, um, fifty-three and, and twenty-nine finished first in the Eastern Conference with no actual star. Let's right. Be honest. I mean, I mean, Isaiah Thomas was the star of that team, quote unquote. But you had Avery Bradley, you know, Jay Crowder, Al Horford. Like, there's a lot of role guys that that did their job well. Marcus Smart. So then, obviously, the off season comes. Okay, they went fifty-three and twenty-nine trade for. Kyrie Irving, okay. Uh, Kyrie comes in, plays 60 games. They finished 55 and 27. It was second in the Eastern Conference. So they had a better record, but they finished second in the East. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Tatum's rookie year. This is Tatum's rookie year, yes. So right. Kyrie doesn't even play in the playoffs, okay. And they go to a game seven in Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals against LeBron. The big the big story, you know, in that playoffs was how well Tatum and Brown played because uh, both of them averaged over 18 a game without Kyrie in the rotation. I mean, uh, Jalen Brown was at 18 points a game exactly. Jason Tatum was at 18 and a half. Mm. Uh, and then they had Rozier, who was averaging 16 and a half. That's where he got the nickname Scary Terry, that playoffs. That's where he got his contract that the Hornets he, are paying him currently. <laughs> he literally did. Um, but everybody was like, all right, like this Celtics team is unreal. They've got these two young studs, a rookie Jason Tatum and a second year Jalen Brown, leading them to a seventh game in Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals where they ended up losing to LeBron. And I think it was single digits that they lost um, by. I think the final score. I think the final score ended up being closer than the game actually was. It was one of those okay. deals. Okay. Uh, but yeah, pushing it to the brink. That's as close as you can get to making the finals um, without actually doing it. So and, I remember that series pretty vividly watching it. Oh as yeah. It was a oh, lot yeah. of anxiety. <laughs> it really was because we're like, are we about to lose to the you know this rookie and this second year guy and then a bunch of role players? Right. While now, Kyrie sits we're... on the bench and watches. <laughs> Al Horford has never beaten Tristan Thompson in a playoff series. Tristan Thompson. That's a real fact. It's his <laughs> kryptonite. It's his literal kryptonite. There's there's numbers to back me up, but I didn't do the research. That's hilarious. So but continue. So you move on to the next season and you're like, all right, you know, Boston's gonna be unreal. They're gonna get Kyrie back. They're gonna get Gordon Hayward back, who got hurt first game of the year that season. So, you know, Yuck. they're gonna just push these these two, you know, vets 
into, um, you know, their roles with these young guys, these youngsters, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, go into the next year and they finish fourth in the East, go 49 and 33. And this is kind of where you start to realize like, all right, like there's something wrong with Kyrie because he played 67 games, did his thing. They averaged 23.8 points a game. Jason Tatum, you know, ups his points per game by about two a game. He's now scoring 15.7 a game. I think he was at about 13 his rookie year. Um, Jalen Brown's at 13 a game. Gordon Hayward's at 11 and a half a game. So, you know, and a lot of a lot of the media attention is on Boston because it's a big market and, you know, the Boston Celtics are, you know, one of the greatest franchises in NBA history. Right. So, I mean, like, what what happened? What do you think happened that the wheels just kind of fell off the wagon this season? So Kyrie's last year in Boston was <laughs> just going off of what I've heard from from people closer to the source. Obviously, I'm not an NBA insider here, but it was a lot of kind of what I touched on in the beginning when I said he's so inconsistent with his moods that he would, you know, be in support of these young guys. You got to remember Tatum and Brown are, are, what are they? 20, 19, 20 years old, 21, maybe at the most during this season. So these are kids. These are still kids, still impressionable, still looking for, for a veteran to kind of like take them under the wing. And you got Kyrie who wants to be the veteran once pretends to be (laughs) like like he wants to be, but he doesn't. Right. And he'll say, like things in support of of these young guys is like oh they're working hard doing all this that whatever and then the very next game they lose by 20 to the pistons he will like backhand compliments and say oh i don't have any help around here and all this stuff and that that messes with young players minds and i don't know why he doesn't realize this when i realize this and i've never played an nba game never been in yeah. an nba locker room you have to right. these are fragile minds right and he makes the comments you know to the media about LeBron and how he, you know, how he called LeBron to apologize because, you know, he didn't realize how hard it was to lead this, lead a group of youngsters because, you know, all they want is they want more and they want everything all in their hands at one time. And they like, right. You know, it's, it's almost like, you know, biting off more than you can chew. And Kyrie had to call LeBron and apologize because, you know, he didn't realize, I guess, how hard it was. And he, I mean, to me, that was him saying, like, I can't I can't handle it. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think has morphed into this why he's on the Brooklyn Nets now with Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant is that alpha can take over that role and uh, alleviate some of that pressure from the media on yeah. Kyrie. So yeah. I think that's that's really next year's going to be interesting. And that's to circle oh, back yes. to how you started this mentioning about Kyrie's injury, having him out for the season. Um, this year, I think a lot of Kyrie's quote unquote injuries, he was milking pretty good this year. And I would have put, I would have definitely, whatever his games played over under was at the beginning of this year, I would have hit the under. It could have been 35. I probably would have said under because I, I always got the sense that they would like next year is when we go kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They knew KD wasn't coming back all this season. So it's just kind of right. avoid the super, like the wear and tear on Kyrie for a season. And I, right. mean, I don't necessarily agree with that attitude, but 
especially with someone who thinks the earth is flat. Um, <laughs> you know, that was just going to happen. And that's, so it's just not surprising to me. So here's an interesting question I have for you. What, who do you think is in better position to succeed? We'll say for the next three years, the Brooklyn Nets or the LA Clippers. <sighs> okay. So I, to answer that question, I'm going to say the Nets actually, because okay. there, I think Kevin Durant's going to have no problem coming back from an Achilles. I think he'll be at least 90% of what he was. Um, he's a shooter. Shooters can shoot till whenever. So I'm not worried about him. And they have Kyrie and Kevin Durant locked up for four years each. Right. You go to L.A. with the Clippers. They really only have Kawhi and Paul George for ne- this year and next year. They could bounce after next year. That's how both of their contracts are structured. And it then so interesting. And then you're the Clippers and you're left with. Old Lou Williams, uh, Landry Shamit, and no draft picks, and no draft picks for at least the twenty twenty six, twenty twenty five, maybe twenty twenty eight is a pick swap. Honestly, twenty thirty, uh, we'll just round up. They don't have a pick so many. until twenty thirty. Why did they do that? Like, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to get you know sidetracked here, but yeah, we'll go real quick on it. What? I mean, you can't tell me that the Thunder. I mean, I think it was seven first-round picks they traded. Fleeced them. Yeah. Like, like you can't tell me that the Thunder wouldn't have taken four or or five. <laughs> like, I, I mean, do, you're still getting shy. Who? I do looked, wonder. I mean, he looked like he had a great rookie year. Um, he's obviously having a, an um, incredible second year. Um, you get Danilo. And... I don't know. I mean, I just feel like they would have taken four first round picks. I mean, I don't know. So these feel like fake numbers. Like, like five years ago, you could if you traded two first round picks, that was like astronomical. They can't be back to back, right? Isn't that a rule? Oh yeah, that's the the Ted Stepien rule. The former Cavs owner that was just trading away everything <laughs> back in the eighties when the NBA didn't know what it was doing before David Stern got a hold of it. But this is an NBA history lesson. Um, but yeah, you have to trade like every other year if you're going to trade first round picks. So then you just handcuff yourself. Yeah. I mean, people make fun of the Nets trade uh, back in the day when they shipped KG and Paul Pierce to Brooklyn. But, you know, that none of those picks really turned out into something, anything super special for the Celtics aside from Jason Tatum. But Jalen yeah, Brown. I, Wasn't Jalen Brown one of those two? Sure. I mean, I'm, yeah. And Colin okay. Sexton, don't forget him. <laughs> right. 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 Which basically the, that Cavs trade turned out ending up being Ante Zizic and Colin Sexton for nothing, because the Celtics yeah. have none of the players involved. We got them for free. So, uh-huh. um, but let's so real quick. I just want to look at the the Celtics midday, um, the year after Kyrie left, just to kind of you know go back to the Kyrie talk a little bit. But right. So this season, this season, right? They're currently forty one and eighteen. Okay, they're third in the Eastern Conference. You know, are they? I mean. Having an incredible year, I would say. Uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown leading the team. Um, 23.5 points a game for Jason Tatum. 20 points a game for Jalen Brown. Uh, Kemba is hurt right now, and I don't think they know when he's going to come back. I think it's really it's really kind of like day-to-day. They just don't know yeah, um, it's, when it's he's going to be able to injury. go. 
So he's averaging 21 a game. Hayward's averaging 17 a game. Marcus Smart's averaging 13 a game. And then you got a bunch of role guys. Um, the chemistry kind of just seems like it's right back where it was, you know, from that that playoff run without Kyrie. Like, you remove one bad apple and things are back to normal. Yeah, and you replace that bad apple with a Kemba Walker who his entire career, going back to college, his teammates love him. So it's really just getting adults in the room. And honestly, I bring this up when we talk about the Cavs a lot. It's like we just – the Cavs have no veterans besides Kevin Love, and he's you know, got his trials and tribulations with his life. But we won't get into that. But yeah, right. you mentioned this current year Celtics, and I think that's a perfect little segue into some – I just want to give a, a special – what do I want to say? A special – a special shout, shout out. out. I don't want to say <laughs> shout out. You know, shout out is such a played out term. But I want to uh, shed some light to our listeners on how good of a really last month, month and a half that Jason Tatum has oh. had. Oh, say the whole Celtics. 2020s. I mean, say all of 2020. True. Right. The whole calendar year, but especially the last. Okay. So I'll just break it down for you. He's been on an absolute tear <laughs> since yeah. we'll say January 18th is my arbitrary number that I picked out. The date okay. that I picked up. So it's 16 games. His last 16 games, which is uh, a good enough sample size to form opinions on, I'd say. But More than uh, Zion. he's currently averaging 29 points, eight rebounds, three assists on 50, 47, 77 uh, percentage splits. Um, his turnovers are down. He's getting to the line like seven times a game, which is an increase from his career average of like three a game. So that's just like you can. Kind of, I mean, last year he was taking a lot of mid range jumpers. That was kind of the criticism with him because mm-hmm. he, it kind of looked like he didn't really know where to pick his spots too much, especially with Kyrie being out there, who is such a ball dominant person. But now it's morphed into him understanding how to maybe play this modern NBA game. And that's either attack the hoop, get to the line, or you put up a lot of threes and you hit them at, a 47% clip like he has been. And that's, that's just modern day analytics basketball for you. Right. And so, you know, in those, those dates that you picked out, um, the Celtics are 14 and five. Right. You know, since that date. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of become clear that he's their guy. He's going to be their guy. That's Um, the main, the the, the thesis of this uh, shout out. (laughs) Right. So he's he's just emerging. So he's one of those yeah, he's one of those players that's kind of like, you know, is this just a surge or is this like, you know, his evolution into who he's going to become in his NBA career yeah. kind of thing. I mean, that's what I would vote for cuz he's uh It'd actually be fun. as we talk today, the, today is his birthday. It's his 22nd birthday today. So <laughs> No way. He's you know, this is far enough into his career where it's like, now we go. If you're going to be a guy in this league, you're going to be a, a potential MVP type caliber player. This is, this is when you do it. This is when you sprout per se. That's hilarious. His, um, uh, his basketball reference page actually says happy birthday on it. That's hilarious. Does it? That's adorable. Yeah. I love it. What a so, great website. So he's hot right now. Okay. Celtics are on fire. They're, you know, playing very well. Another player, another team, I think that's playing well, especially since the trade deadline. Yeah. Today, um, are the Houston Rockets and Russell Westbrook. Oh, my goodness. Speaking of dudes on a tear, right? 
So I don't know if anybody's noticed uh, the casual NBA fan maybe not be staying up for these West Coast Western Conference Rockets games. Um, they did lose to the Knicks last night, but we're going to we're going to gloss over that one. Um, but, yeah, Russell Westbrook's been blistering for the Rockets lately, ever, really ever since the, the turn of the new year. Um, really doesn't matter who they're playing. Um, for example, his last 19 games. This is me picking random amount of game numbers from my stats. But <laughs> Russell's last 19 games, he's averaging 33 points, eight rebounds, seven assists on 53 percent from the field. 31 from three, but we don't really worry about that because he's really not taking three-pointers, only about two a game in that uh, sample size that I picked, and um, close to 80% from the line, which is fine. So I'm going to make fun of you really quick. Feel free um, to make me. You said your last 19, the last 19 games that he's played, yeah. correct? Yeah. Um, yeah, you could have just said 20, and it would have been all of 2020, and I'm, I'm just kind of obsessed with the whole, like, oh, how, how are they doing in 2020 kind of thing. So um. I am a big arbitrary, <laughs> arbitrary number guy. And I think, honestly, when I was doing my research, he might have had a, a rough game on the 20th game. It's probably why I did it. So he did, but he still absolutely destroyed the game. Yeah. Um, killing it. The thing about Russ that right now has me like so shocked is in 2020, this man is averaging 25 field goal attempts a game. Yeah. Uh, that's a lot of shots so many shots but he has got to be shooting I mean this season his field goal percentage is the best I think it's ever been so far it's at like yeah. 47% shooting the ball 25 times is unbelievable but he like I mean he has to they made that trade with with um, I don't even remember who it was with but they got rid of Capella went small ball and they pretty, pretty much committed to it I mean yeah, Harden, Harden's averaging 35 a game Russ is averaging 27 a game and I mean, if one of them has a bad night, do they lose? Because, I mean, they're yeah, taking I mean, 50 plus shots each. Right? That's kind of what you got to wonder combined, sorry. as far as sustainability goes. And this team in the playoff setting is, like you said, if one of these guys throws up a 10 for 35 night, like we've seen James Harden do, is that going to be more negative than positive for the team success? Um, and then they're doing this, as you know, trading away Capella. Now they have Robert Covington as their tallest starting player at six seven, and they don't really have any positions. It's just a bunch of like two guards essentially out there. Mm -hmm. So it's not really a huge sample size with that small lineup, but it is working. I mean, they're on this hot streak even as a team. Um, right. Yeah. So what do you think about like? Do you think that's sustainable the small lineup thing, or do you see it kind of like as a flip. so speaking from experience <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's true i had to throw that in there no but it's i mean realistically how the rockets are playing and i'm not trying to compare an nba team to a high school team because do it like it's a good point it's still basketball right i mean there's still you still got a center a power forward whatever but how we played in high school is kind of how the rockets are playing now i mean we didn't have in our starting lineup, we did not have a quote unquote center or yeah. even a even a power forward. I mean, three guys on our team brought the ball up the floor. Mm -hmm. um, everybody could shoot it. Uh, everybody could finish, although nobody was like, you know, going out there getting 12, 13, 14 rebounds a game. Yeah. Um, 
I think I'm going to, you know, and I'm, I'm such a, I'm such a like, you know, teeter totter with Russell Westbrook, as you know. Yeah. Same though. Uh, yeah. We have a, a love hate relationship for sure. But I really think that, you know, it's a, it's sustainable. I do because you do. Wow. Because the thing that I hated the most about Russell Westbrook is how much he settled for shots. Right. Yeah. yeah. And in this last 20 games, this last, you know, 15 games, uh, especially since they traded Capella, the like the lane is so much more open. And I think that that was mm-hmm. kind of part of the game plan with getting rid of Capella was, you know, we traded for Russell Westbrook. We we have to go towards his strength. And, you know, his strength is attacking and finishing, attacking and kicking. Mm-hmm. And with a seven footer, six eleven guy in the lane, it kind of prohibits that a little bit, right? Very true. So if he, as long as he continues to attack and doesn't, you know, get get uh, what's the word, complacent, mm-hmm. uh, and start just chucking threes, I think it's gonna continue to work. I mean, these guys are NBA players. Like, sure, they'll have off nights shooting the ball our team is going to be able to really keep up with them pace wise. Yeah. When it comes to guarding them in like a seven game series, that's totally a fair point because you've seen, I mean, they haven't played, so they haven't really played Jokic or anything like that yet, but they have played Utah with Gobert and he, I mean, he couldn't find a matchup to stay. He guarded, he guarded Westbrook. Yeah. That's just not going to work. That's not right. And I, and I get it. Like they're going to say, all right, just stay in the paint, whatever which apparently defensive three in the key just doesn't get called in the we NBA anymore. Become a little lax on that. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, Russ kind of made him look silly. And all you do then is say, Hey Russ, go stand in the corner. And you know, specifically this play, for example, James Harden, you just attack and Gobert turns his head and Russ finds a, a clean dunk right over top of Gobert with the alley yeah. from Harden. And it's like, I mean, he made him look silly out there. And I can't believe they put Gobert on Russ, but they they tried. Yeah, that's that's something going back to if I was going to answer the question of if I think it's sustainable. I think it is in a regular season sense, but when you get to the playoffs and you're playing a, the same team for two straight weeks, I think a good coach will be able to, to find some cracks in the, mm-hmm. the strategy. But... Who knows? I mean, it has worked so far. And I, I'm, you know, I'm always intrigued by these teams that try something new like this. And this is probably the most extreme version that I've seen in my basketball watching career. Yeah. Daryl Morey's not, not one to shy away from experimentation. That is for sure. Um, You always need a guy like that in the league. I like it. Like, I love how, I mean, because like I feel like that's how I would be as a GM. That's how I am as a fantasy football GM. <laughs> um, but yeah, one of the other things is like you know the, you mentioned the playoff series, playing a team for two straight weeks. Um, Russell Westbrook and James Harden haven't really a killer. You know what I mean? Yeah, they they don't have a ton of. I mean, neither one of like, them has a championship, so right. And they both had that that one. That one finals appearance when they were 22 Together. years old. It yeah. was like 22 and 21 years old. And 
here they are now 31 and, and 30 years old. And mm. I mean, not a ton of success on their right. Record. They've got, they've got the playoff experience, no doubt. But when it comes down to, you know, you're going to LA to play LeBron and AD or Kawhi and Paul George. I mean, who's going to get it done? And I would not put my money on the Rockets. I'm sorry. I would love to see a Rockets Thunder series first round. Yeah. So just to wrap up the Houston talk, you mentioned how the Rockets play kind of like uh, our St. Thomas team senior year. I just kind of curious, which uh, Houston Rocket do you think you play? Like what role do you think you were? <laughs> oh, um, God, that's so tough. Yeah. Uh, because... I was thinking about it as you were talking, and I'm not even sure what my answer would be. I mean, like, who, who who are we giving, like, James Harden to? I feel like Harden is probably Meglin. Is it Meglin? I feel like Meglin was the volume shooter. Yeah. Um, I think probably, Jacob Paul. He handled was, the ball a little bit more. I think Jacob Paul's probably Westbrook, and I think Austin. But he shoots Hubbard. it better. I don't want to say you're P.J. Tucker, though, because that's just wrong. No, and I didn't guard, like, the big guy either. That's why. No, no, no. You were definitely a guard. I you're not Daniel House. Who starts for them? Eric Gordon? <laughs> might be an Eric Gordon, almost. I'm definitely not the three-point specialist. See, I feel like I'm a mixture of, like, I feel like I was more, like, Russ passing, but definitely not volume shooting. Yeah. 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 Because like I never it's looked tough. for my shot first. It's not really a one-to-one comparison. No, it's tough. But that's how we, I mean, we we spaced the floor. We played small. Like, our biggest guy was 6'1", 6'2", and he was our best shooter. And that's true. And left-handed, so maybe Austin was hardened. Yeah, that's true. Who knows? That's true. So, uh, let's get into some some Zion talk. We, we talked about, yeah. you know, Zion 15 games in. Kind of having a remarkable rookie season, uh, although I think, you know, speaking for both of us, Mitt, we both kind of think that there's no chance he gets rookie of the year just because the amount of games he's played is too small and it's going to yeah. end up being too small, um, which is yep. unfortunate because, like, I would have loved to see the race between him and Ja. Yeah, he really, because, I mean, Zion, the maximum he can play this year is 37 games. And when you hear that, it's just like there's no chance, but... Maybe if he got up to the 51 range like Kyrie did and Ja plays his 70 or whatever he'll end up with, it would have been fun. And it, it's, you know, I don't even think it matters. Zion could put up the same numbers he's doing now, which is, what, 24-7-2 and two, um, mm-hmm. with crazy good shooting percentage. Um, his, he doesn't really take threes, so I'm not even going to tell you what I, that doesn't. I don't even care about that. But a quick nugget stat that I have for Zion is um, – 77% of his total field goal attempts are from three feet or closer to the rim. So that wow. tells he's just dominant in the paint. And it's it's really he, he's just incredible to watch because he's so big and he just gets up so quickly on that second burst. Um, I don't know the actual stat, but I bet he rebounds like 60% of his own misses around the rim and then just gets the the put back right there. But he's just he's incredible. He's unlike any player we'll probably ever see ever again. Another thing about Zion, the um, since he's come back and, and been playing, um, the Pelicans are actually eight and seven with him, which yep. good because you're above five hundred. Um, and I think they are trying to push for that eight seed, aren't they? 
they're not out of it. They're only, I think, three and a half back of Memphis right now. With, um, I mean, San Antonio's in that mix too, still. But yeah, it's gonna be a fun little race for the for the eighth seed, whoever wants to lose to the Lakers. Yeah, I, I was really hoping Portland would find a way to sneak into the playoffs again, but it, I mean, Dame missing That's time. True. And, uh, they're yeah. they're they're not out of it either. If Dame comes back, they they could get hot enough. Right. Just as I said, Dame's the best point guard in the league, too. Gets hurt. Yeah. You jinxed it. It's, <sighs> it's a darn shame. One more thing about Zion. Just This is going to take two seconds. But his nickname. He has a nickname listed on Basketball Reference, and it's Zanos. <laughs> and I think that's so funny. I just love it. So LeBron comes off of just an absolutely you know incredible performance without Anthony Davis um, against the Pelicans. Uh, so it was two nights ago. It goes for 34, 13, and 12. And I texted you yesterday, and I just said, LeBron's just the MVP. And your yeah. only response was just, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> really, you could have texted me that any time in the last 15 years. You would have got the same answer. But it's just so <laughs> especially, it's so especially evident this year, I feel like. I mean, he's leading the league in assists basically just because he can. Mm-hmm. He's, like, in proving his, it. Like, he's literally saying, I can lead the league in assists. Like, let yeah. me show you. In his age 35 season, averaging 25, 8, and 10 on 50, 35, 70, he still sucks at free throws. It pisses me off. It pisses oh, us all so, off. Yeah, it's so rough. We're not talking about it. But here's the list of players that have ever had those numbers in their 17th season or later. Okay, ready? So it's LeBron James, 2019, 2020. And that's it. That's the end of the list. <laughs> no one's ever done it at this age, this far in their career. In fact, here's even more nuggets because I did some more nugget digging because I'm from Denver. But no one in their 30s has ever averaged 25 points and 10 assists for a season in the history of the sport. Not even, I mean, Magic didn't score that much. Not even, I mean, Stockton got the assist, didn't get the points. Anybody, right. nobody in their 30s has put up these numbers. And I don't know if age is a reason to validate an MVP award, but I feel like in this case it is. And well, why, he's having well, a great why defensive not? year. Why not? Yeah, he has the uh, he ha- he leads the league, I believe, in defensive plus minus. I want to yeah. say, which I'm not entirely sure how to comprehend that stat. No, but, but he leads the league in it, so it's like it's yeah, good. there's it's a metric, <laughs> and he, nobody's better. So, um, my one of my main arguments for why I think he's the MVP is, you know. All these years in the East, LeBron just runs through the East, you know, two seed, three seed, four seed, one seed, doesn't matter what seed he gets. He literally just doesn't care. Get to the playoffs. It's LeBron's. It's LeBron's conference. Yeah. And all that time it was, oh, LeBron wouldn't do that in the West. And I know the playoffs haven't come yet, but he is. I mean, they have a handle of the number one seed in the Western Conference. And he's the oldest he's ever been in the NBA. Yeah. It's amazing. So where are all the people now saying that the West is so much tougher and that LeBron couldn't handle it? Yeah, I don't really see that a lot on the Twitterverse. Not a lot of those tweets come out. The same standard is not set for LeBron versus everybody else. Yeah, he's he's set the bar so high. He can't even get back to his own bar, Yeah, if that makes sense. And Giannis is having an incredible year, and we're not trying to take that from him at all. But what LeBron is doing is just 
better. Yeah. So my theory of the only way LeBron could catch him in the race is if the Bucks start losing because they're going to give it to the guy if your team's going to win 65 plus games like like it looks like the Bucks are going to. And right. he's averaging 30, 30, 14 and five or six, whatever. Like they're just going to give it to him. You can't you can't deny that. And I'm not discrediting that, but let's I say, love what James Harden said about him. Yeah. Love oh, it. you're on the Harden side for that? I think it was funny. I didn't I, I don't necessarily agree that Giannis has not no skill, but <laughs> I think it was hilarious that he said like, "Yeah, man, I wish I was 7 feet, took 3 steps, took two dribbles around everybody and just dunked the ball." We're I want to ask you I'm going to ask you a quick Lakers question since we're talking about LeBron and that. Would okay. you this doesn't have a ton of ton to do with Giannis or anything like that, but would you real quick have rather the Lakers pick up Deion Waiters or J.R. Smith? Oh, I'm so glad you asked this. I I'm so glad you asked this because I just was on Instagram right before we uh, we got on here. Uh-huh. And Nick Wright talked me into Jr. And Mm. I think I was already on the JR train because of his playoff experience, his finals experience. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, Nick Wright went ahead and did it for me. And uh, I'm going to go with JR. And the reason is because his game sevens, okay, this is all Nick Wright playing this out, by the way. I'm just repeating it for you. His Sources. last three game sevens, okay, the 2018. Eastern Conference Finals at Boston. J.R. Smith played 42 minutes, uh, had 12 points, mm-hmm. and a plus-minus of plus 14. Wow. 2018 first round versus Indiana, 35 minutes, 11 points, plus 5, plus-minus. Uh, 2016 Finals at Golden State. We all know Game 7. Okay, he had 12 points. Mind you, Big point to start off the third quarter. Yeah, started off the second half with some big buckets. Had a plus seven, plus minus in the biggest game seven ever in the NBA's history, according to every Cleveland fan. According Um, to us. (laughs) But yeah, it's JR, and I don't think it's close. I, you know, I agree, actually. And it's weird to say I'd rather have the 35-year-old streak shooter. But... I just think Dion. I ha, I can't remember the last time I watched Dion Waiters play basketball, and he's he's been kind of a locker room distraction. So yeah, and the yeah. differences the differences to me, J.R. Smith is like like LeBron trusts him, okay, and you want him to take open open shots, open threes, and he kind of knows like when he's got that green light. Like I know that J.R. has kind of like an ultimate green light, as LeBron would say, but yeah. He does have some sort of like an awareness to it, whereas Dion Waiters, who hasn't been in these positions before, like you've seen him play in Cleveland, you've seen him play in Miami, kind of yeah. just pulls the trigger and just doesn't care what the situation is. He's just like, I'm just going to make this shot or shoot this shot. Like, it doesn't even matter. Shoot the shot. Shout out. I slid it in there. Product placement. <laughs> <laughs> Men lie. Women lie. Buckets don't. Dion Waiters quote. <laughs> Oh, that's great. All right. Well, let's get out of here. Um, yeah. I know we wanted to talk about the Cavs a little bit. Um, maybe we'll go ahead and give that a look-see next week. Hopefully they're picking it up, uh, trying to get that eighth seed in the East. I think they're only nine games back. Yeah. We are <laughs> threatening. 
Oh, threatening. Love Kevin Porter Jr. Love yes. Darius Garland. We love the youngsters. Um, we love JB Bickerstaff. Yes, we do. Things are looking good as long as we just don't screw it up again, I think. We need another good draft pick. There's no doubt about that. But we could go into further detail on that on a, on a later show. We will. We will. So, no doubt. We'll catch you all later. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>